0: Hi, travelers, you can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Go ahead and check out the description of this episode so you can find the link to our link tree, get access to all of our socials, as well as our YouTube channel, so you can watch all of our episodes in full. Okay, Saturday, December 23rd, Justin, Awesome show today, Jamie Say from WKMG in Orlando. Gonna come on, break down the uh, Orlando Magic' awesome uh, season they are having so far. Uh, one of the most surprising stories in the NBA and even just sports in general, with you know what, being one of the worst teams last year, now being in the top four in the East or just top two a little bit ago. Uh, and you know we're, we're gonna break down with her what they've been doing so successfully and why they've been having the success they've been having and what the outlook for the rest of the year is going forward. But before we get to her, get to that interview, let's break down Thursday Night Football, and then we'll get into the rest of the games of Week 16 coming up in our usual breakdown. Let's start with Thursday Night Football, though. Uh, what What do you think about this game, Justin? I mean, Rams, yet again, showed explosive offense, and Saints, again, came out slow. And surprisingly, for a defense that's been playing very well all year, weren't able to really stop the Rams, and you know the Rams just basically were able to control the pace of the game the entire, uh, you know, the entire game. What what were your takeaways from this game? It was kind of a weird game for the Saints; didn't really show up as I thought they would.
1: Yeah, definitely a weird game for the Saints, but the Rams are are a playoff team. They are a team that maybe you don't want to play in the playoffs because Sean McVay. I'm starting to think he is the best coach in the NFC, or one of the best coaches in the NFC, very underrated. He got the Rams last year, I believe they were 5-12. and 12. Now they are 8-7, and seven, and I think this team is going to be a wild card in the NFC. They just need one more win, really, to wrap it up. They play the Giants yeah. and next Sunday, and then the 49ers, who might be resting their guys, might be resting their yeah. guys, potentially have the one seed locked up by then. But uh, for the Rams, this is a big win for them, and I think this is a wild card team and maybe even a sleeper team in the playoffs. Maybe they probably won't beat the Niners in the playoffs, but I think this team can get a wild card and make some noise. No, it's
0: a team you do not want to play in the playoffs for sure. I mean, they're, they're kind of like the Texans of the AFC and uh, some other teams in, like in the AFC as well. Like they're definitely a team you do not want to play because they've been playing some of their best ball uh, down the second half of the stretch here. This was, a, this was basically a playoff game for the Rams, though. You can argue this is how important this game was for Los Angeles. If they lost, I think they would have had a 20% chance to make the playoffs. But now, of course, after Thursday night's win, they have a 70% chance to make the playoffs. The score didn't even really the, the score didn't really give it justice. I mean, the Rams were so dominant on both sides of the ball, both offensively and defensively. The score made it seem like the Saints were way more in this game than they actually were. The only reason the game was close was because the Saints had some... A couple of nice end zone stops, but then more importantly, some special teams blunders by the Rams is really what kept the Saints in the game. And uh, other than that, the Saints couldn't stop the run. The Saints couldn't stop the pass. Um, You know, they, they didn't pressure Stafford all game. Stafford, you know, had all the time in the world to make decisions, had all the time in the world to throw the ball. They couldn't tackle anyone in the open field. Uh, The Saints uh, again started out the game slowly uh, they had some momentum going into this uh, halftime, but of course the Rams did come out in the third quarter and pretty much just took it took the way uh, took the game away from there. Uh, they did have, like I said, the momentum though going into the halftime. I thought the Saints were going to come back when when that happened. Of course, Rashid Shahid made that incredible catch, a big time catch that, uh, like I said, did give them that momentum. Uh, you know, in that second quarter, uh, Rashid Shahid. Fifth reception of this year of over forty plus air yards. That's the most in the NFL, and that's the most by a Saints receiver all time. And like I said, after that, I think I really thought the Saints had a chance to kind of, you know, make this game at least interesting. But no, at the end of the day, uh, Rams were just the way better team for pretty much all four quarters. And uh, Saints, Saints are in trouble now. Of course, with third division, still have a chance, but the chances got a lot less. Uh, yeah. A lot less now uh, after after Thursday night's game, closest game of the week. Justin, let's move on to the rest of the games. Week sixteen, break them down like we always do. I'm going to start with you. What is it? What is your closest game coming up in week sixteen slate?
1: Closest game? I'm actually going to go Cowboys Dolphins. I think that's going to be closer than the last time for the Cowboys. I think I still think that they're not the best team on the road. Obviously, all their losses. The Dolphins, a very hungry team, and. Very good offense. I think this is going to be a high scoring offensive game and probably might be the shootout for me as well as the closest game. Yeah, it's my shootout of the
0: week, and we'll get to that in a second. But it's also loser uh, gets the fraud tag put up put on them i think officially mm-hmm. cowboys and dolphins are a combined one in six against teams above 500 and they're 19 and two in all other games so, uh it's the first time in nfl history uh between teams that had 20 combined wins but one or fewer versus uh above 500 teams so this is a massive game uh not for playoff contentions so much i mean cowboys of course it would be a lot for them because of uh not only the the, uh divisional title but maybe even the conference title but really it's more uh for that fraud watch because whoever loses this game, that narrative is going to continue and it's going to be even more alarming after, after this game. So it's a big game for them uh, to kind of show that they belong uh, in in the league as one of the top teams, especially heading into the playoffs. My closest game though, I am going to put as the Ravens and the Niners Mm -hmm. Niners explosive offense versus Ravens, incredible secondary and just defense in general, Baltimore is allowing the fewest net yards per pass attempt at 4.9. So just under five. And Uh, They're the uh, first team to have this number since the 2008 Super Bowl champion Steelers. Uh, Of course, the Niners, though, have an incredible, incredible offense. They lead the NFL in yards after catch per reception at 6.8. Uh Baltimore though has allowed the fewest at 4.4. So it's a juggernaut offense against a juggernaut defense. And I think it's gonna be a really close game. It's gonna be really exciting. Uh this is gonna be a potential Super Bowl preview mm-hmm. too. And it's you know, it's gonna just be an awesome, awesome game. Definitely the best game of this weekend of this week. 16 sleep.
1: Yeah, I would say for the Niners and Ravens, I mean, that's probably my second pick as well. I I think that's gonna yeah. be a very low scoring. Defensive game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, one way or another. Yeah. I'm looking at like a 2017, 17, 14 game. A lot of running the ball. Both teams are running right. the ball very well, and the defense is. Baltimore's great defense. The Niners have a really good defense as well. Yeah, no, it's. I think it's going to be high scoring, actually. But, mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I don't. But I could see it going both ways, though. I really could. San Fran is at home. Going to help a lot, but it's also Lamar Jackson against the NFC, and he doesn't lose against NFC opponents. So, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, what's your most intriguing storyline going into this weekend?
1: Can the Philadelphia Eagles bounce back yeah. from their three straight losses? The Giants yeah. coming in, Tommy DeVito's looked impressive except for last week, obviously. But can the Philadelphia Eagles bounce back? Can the Philadelphia Eagles yeah. get right back on track? and pretty much the same thing for the Kansas City Chiefs as well. Uh, Last week, they did win, but uh, but for Kansas City and for the Eagles, can they really both get back on track? The Chiefs, they did get a 10-point win at New England last week, but they have the Raiders coming in to Arrowhead. That could be a big win for them, but... The Chiefs should, but the Chiefs, it looks like their schedule's easy as well as the Philadelphia Eagles for the final three games. But for the two teams that made it to the Super Bowl last year, uh, can they get it going or are they going to be frauds?
0: No, this is my most intriguing storyline too. Um, You know, it's bad for the Eagles. People kind of forget though. It's interesting. Niners also went through a three-game skid and people aren't really talking about that. Eagles... Are having theirs at the end of the season though, which of course is way worse than having it in the middle of the season, like the 49ers did, however. And it's also a little bit different. Eagles uh, just don't look good on paper or on the field. Like I test or by standing alone, they just don't look very good right now. Their offense has been sputtering. Uh, three straight losses, of course, to really good teams, Niners, Cowboys, and Seahawks. Uh, they had an offense last year that would, you know, grind opponents into submission, wear down defenses, come up with big plays. Uh, but this is this offense we've seen from the Eagles these last three uh, three games is not that from last year and it's not like it was even the beginning of the year they've only had four touchdowns in the last three games uh, Sirianni came out saying no changes at coach uh, expected to be made of course it would look really really bad basically benching two coordinators uh, in back to back weeks but something has to be done for sure and I want to see if they can get uh, you know stop the bleeding against this this uh, Giants team, which they should, they should stomp the Giants. They should, especially Tom and Devito, uh, likely his span coming to an end. He actually, I think, is injured. He might not even play. But yeah, I mean, something something has to be done. Hurts uh, uh, calling out his teammates about commitment and locker room team right issues now is just, too. Yep, bad shape. All things considered, with the Eagles and yeah, something they need Giants. Gi- Giants, unfortunately, might be that team that they just bounce back with and really beat up on because they need they need a, uh, a confidence they boost. Do. They do. They need a the confidence
1: Eagles. boost. And another bold prediction, if this game could might end in a tie, I could definitely see it ending in a tie. <laughs> That's really? if they the Eagles can't get it together. But if they can, they, they will win this game. But it's just – imagine if this yeah. ends in a tie. That would just be –
0: you predicted enough times it'll happen. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but yeah,
0: that's my that's what I always say. But yeah, they, they got Giants this week, Cardinals, and then Giants again. I mean, they still crazy enough, despite these three games they've had. Uh, they they still are definitely in the, you know, they can definitely still win the conference, especially the division. I mean, San Francisco. They have have, uh, the Ravens coming up, as we just said, Sunday night, and then the Commanders and then the Rams end of the year, as we said earlier, too. That's not going to be an easy win either. So that's going to – you know, they definitely have a chance to still win the, the conference end you know, win the division as well. Cowboys themselves, they have the Dolphins coming up this weekend. Like we just said, the Lions have, are kind of a weird team. I don't really know what to make of the Lions right now, but then they do have the commanders. So I think if Eagles can win these next three games, I think 49ers and Cowboys definitely have a chance to at least lose one of their games coming up these next three games. So it's definitely still up for the table, uh, both the division and the conference for the taking surprise of the week. Justin, what do you have as a surprise of the week?
1: Surprise of the week here. Uh, not, not looking like a big week for upsets, but a potential yeah. upset I'm looking at could be, could be the Texans over the Browns. It could even be the Vikings over the Lions. That's a divisional game. The Lions haven't been the best, uh, you know, not the best team, mm-hmm. but they got it back last week against the Broncos. They dominated that game. But, um, uh, but yeah, the Vikings might be able to upset the Lions or even the Texans might be able to bounce back against the Browns at home. Both teams are home, by yeah. the way. I think
0: Houston and Cleveland would be a pretty even matchup. Tampa Bay against Jacksonville, I think you might have mentioned that. That could be a weird game. Baker Mayfield had a really good game last week. Um, besides that, I mean, I think a lot of teams are pretty evenly matched. Uh, I think uh, I, one, one game I could see being kind of weird would be uh, Buffalo at the Chargers. Chargers just fired Staley playing Saturday night. Weird game, or uh, weird time to play Saturday night. And, uh, yeah, the Chargers uh, just, you know, coming off firing their coach. I think that could be definitely a weird game, too. I could see that maybe being kind of wonky and, Chargers coming out with a victory in that game my surprise of the week one of those games kind of close matchup all things considered not really a surprise per se but I do think the Cardinals will beat the Bears this weekend Cardinals ran the ball so well last weekend against San Francisco 30 times they rushed the ball 230 234 rushing yards compiled that game and they averaged eight yards per attempt 7.8 just under eight yards per attempt on the year, they're averaging 131.8 yards on the ground, which is actually seventh in the National Football League. Uh, they've only won three games, but solid, solid team on the ground, attacking on the rush game. Bears offense isn't good, though. They're not going to be able to keep up with the Cardinals, especially on the ground. When it comes to their ability to score points, the Bears are just anemic. 22nd in the in the NFL, averaging only 20.5 points per contest uh, for the year so far. The Bears have only thrown for a total of 2,569 yards, and they're only averaging 183.5 yards per game in the air. This is actually 27th in the NFL. They maintain an average of 134.4 rushing yards per game and have rushed for an anemic, very poor, 1,882 yards for the season. Only average 300, 318 yards per outing, and that's 22nd in the NFL. So Bears offense won't be able to keep up with the Cardinals, especially on the ground. And I think the Cardinals are going to end up beating the Bears this weekend. And not really an upset per se, kind of a pretty bad teams, all things considered. Both teams even match up. But I do think it's going to be Cardinals com- coming away victorious this weekend. Justin, what is your shootout of the week?
1: Cowboys-Dolphins, obviously, as I just said, that's going to be the closest game, and I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game in the 30s as well. Maybe 34-31, 37-34 we're looking at. Probably a late field goal win for the Dolphins. Yep, Yeah,
0: that's going to be my shootout too. Uh, we already mentioned how crucial this game is for the teams on you know that are both on fraud alert right now. Cowboys struggle away, and Dolphins play really well at home, though too. Cowboys have been a different team away from at t Stadium all season. Uh, you know, Mike McDaniel; he's five and two against the spread at Hard Rock Stadium, while the Cowboys are three and four on the road in that in their, against the spread. So Dallas got stre- uh, steamrolled. Uh, two hundred sixty-six rush yards Sunday against the Bills' offense. The Dolphins lead the NFL in yards per rush. Uh, that's courtesy, of course, of Mostert and uh, A Uh The Cowboys are 31st in success rate, first the run, and are allowing 192 rush yards per game in losses this season. That's the highest by any team since the 2010 Bills. So, Dolphins, I think, are going to run the ball down the Cowboys' throats. They play really good at home. Cowboys play really bad away. I actually am taking the Dolphins pretty easily in this game. I think handily, I think the Dolphins will come up and show out against the Cowboys, but it's going to be a high-scoring game, that's for sure, because I think the Dolphins are going to score a lot of points, especially on the ground, and the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, is going to have to you know, really have some high-explosive offense to kind of keep up with their scoring prowess and have any chance in this game. So, yeah, definitely take the over in this game. I think it's pretty much a lock that this game is going to be a pretty high-scoring affair. Over is currently at 51, so, yeah, I definitely, definitely take that, hammer that. Why you can snoozer of the week opposite end of the spectrum,
1: Justin? What is your snoozer of the week? I'll go Packers Panthers. The Packers are probably going to fall apart here and just crumble. I mean, they might even lose the game. The Panthers are just—they're two and twelve. I mean, fired fired Frank Reich during the season, and they're just that team has so many problems. Obviously, well, both teams do, but I think that game's going to be a snoozer.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go Commanders, Jets. Nothing really to say here. Jets are on like their eighth quarterback of the season, it sounds like. Hal isn't going to play. Benched last week. Jets arguably are the worst offenses in the history of football. Uh, Jets are sitting 30th in the league at averaging only uh, 14.4 points per game. Uh, This year, so far, the Jets have compiled only 2,380 yards. Via the pass, in an average of 170 passing yards per game. That's ranking them 30 out of all the NFL teams, uh, averaging just 85.1 uh, yards per game on the ground and have only ran the ball for uh, just under 1,200 yards for the season. Uh, Jets maintain an average of 255.1 yards per outing, which ranks them as 32nd out of all the teams in the NFL. Uh, so just Jets are just abysmal on offense. Uh, they, they can't get anything done. Like I said, they're on like their 10th quarterback at this point. Commanders, not much better. Average of 21, uh, 20.1 points per game. Offensively, they're holding an average of only 98 yards on the ground, ranking them 24th in the NFL. And uh, Commanders have only maintained, attained uh, 4,666 total yards for the season. Absolutely abysmal this game is going to be like a three to six final score I don't even know who has six I don't even know who has three it's just gonna be really low scoring it's gonna be really ugly to watch so uh hammer to the under uh, I'm gonna hammer the over for the Cowboys Dolphins but this game Jets commanders I'm definitely ha- hammering the under for sure what's your favorite of the week Justin who do you uh, who do you have as a lock
1: coming uh, into this week? I got the Broncos over the Patriots easy win yeah. for Denver they're at home the Patriots What what else you got to say about them? They're done this year. I mean, the Broncos Mm. still fighting for a wild card spot in the AFC. Tough loss at Detroit. They're going to come back uh, very hungry at home against New England.
0: Yeah, Broncos desperate, coming off a bad loss. to The Lions uh, Patriots uh, Patriots, uh, in the Caleb Williams Bowl for sure. They want to get Caleb Williams. They don't have any reason to win. Um, both teams headed in opposite directions. Broncos, though, I think are going to come out, smoke the Pats, because Pats have nothing to play for, and Broncos kind of do. So, yeah, that's going to be my favorite of the week, too. I, th- I can also see – another game I think could also see being kind of weird, and I would like to take the Steelers over, over the Bengals. Steelers – despite last week, Steelers play absolutely amazing on uh, uh, s- uh, Saturdays, and Steelers are also an underdog now. Like, they, they weren't the last two weekends, but they act, they're an underdog at home now, which Mike Tomlin also tends to be very well in those scenarios. So I think Steelers over the, over the Bengals in Pittsburgh this weekend could also be a, my, one of my favorites because uh, despite what we saw last week, Steelers are still one of the best teams in the history of the NFL on playing on Saturdays. Writer's block, Justin, what is your writer's
1: block of the week? My writer's block is possible landing spots if the Bears trade Justin Fields. It's interesting, <clears throat> but it's also uh, it's also a little bit too early to tell. Maybe Justin Fields needs better coaching around him, and the Chicago Bears definitely need to bring in a new head coach and bring in some offensive minds as well that can work with Justin Fields and maybe even trade him to a team with better offensive minds, but... It might be a little bit too early to tell, but we're getting towards that time of the year.
0: My Riders block of the week. Obviously, Yoshinobu Yamamoto was signed to the Dodgers yesterday. However, you know it was a a slow week in MLB prior to that when an athletic report comes out that Shohei Otane named his dog. Yeah, that was an actual report on the athletic. Shohei Otane did name his dog. He named him decoy, which means flicking of the head in uh, Japanese, I think is what it means. And yeah, that was an actual (laughs) story on the athletic. You know it's a slow day in baseball or a slow week in baseball, I should say, all things considered, when... Uh, baseball writers having reports and stories come out that uh, Shohei Otani named his dog. I was hoping it was going to be the Dodger. That would have been pretty sweet. Cute dog, though. Okay, let's move on to our interview. Jamie Say, sports director, WKMG in Orlando, breaking down the magic. Third season so far. Why have they been so successful? And what's their outlook going forward uh, the rest of the year here as we get into the second half of the NBA season soon? So without further ado, yeah, let's head south to Orlando and talk to Jamie, all things magic okay heading south talking to jamie say sports director wkmg in orlando jamie had to have you on orlando magic doing very well one of the most fun teams to watch in the league we'll get to that in a second but overall i wanted to ask you just what has been their success i mean what has been the thing that you would pinpoint the most on just why they were able to be just have just have this bounce back year that they've had this year. I mean, one of the worst teams in the league for the last decade. Um, <sighs> and now they find themselves, they were second in the East um, yeah. not too long ago. Now, you know, as we re- record today on Thursday, they, they're fourth, but still, again, rolling and playing one of their best balls they've played in the last decade, like I just said. And what has been like the thing that you would pinpoint as has been leading to their success, uh, you know, this this year so far?
2: You know, I think what it is, it, it's it's probably team chemistry. Um, yeah. They all get along really well, and it seems like they've accepted their roles. Each each player on that team has a role, and they're willing to do it. Like, Paolo Banquero is obviously, you know, going to be a guy. He's going to be yep. a guy that's going to take the shot at the end. Franz Wagner is obviously one of their best players, too, offensively. He could be a shot. He could be a guy that takes the shot at the end. And the other guys are good with that. Um, the rest of the guys, you know, have their roles. Um, and they're really satisfied with it. You know, their third leading scorer is Cole Anthony. And he's coming in off the bench. This is a really young team. And they play with a lot of energy and hustle and effort. So, you know, I think it's the chemistry, the fact they all get along, Um, and they're building a really good culture there. And this year, um, as opposed to maybe year one under Jamal Mosley, when, mm-hmm. when the team was really young, you know they believe they can win any game that they play. Um, a year ago, that wasn't, wasn't the fact. A year ago, 26 games in, they were 6-26. 26 games in now, they're 16-10. and 10. Um, So I think, I think there's a belief there that if they play hard, and they stick to their principles of defending, they believe they can win any game. And I think they've kind of caught the league by surprise a little bit, you know, at the outset. And now teams yeah. are much more aware that they have to, you know, they're, they're going to get a good effort from the Magic every time they step on the floor against Orlando.
0: No, it's and you mentioned the, the team effort and the team coming together and all having that same common goal. I mean, you mentioned uh cool being the third leading scorer or the third best scorer on the team and i think pablo is probably the most the highest leading scorer on the team and i think he has less than 21 points a game averaging less than 21 points a game so everyone is scoring on this team i mean mo wagner and cole anthony they've been playing amazing off the bench i mean one of the Mm -hmm. uh, six bands of the year will probably come from orlando whether it be mo wagner or cole anthony but that's been one of the things like i said when i introduced this interview just Orlando not only playing well but just one of the most fun teams to watch in the league right now I mean yeah. they're always constantly in motion cutting to you know cutting to the basket all the time I mean the, the ball flows or flows around so well with the team and you can really just tell they have that chemistry when they when they play every night
2: yeah I mean it's kind of basic basketball it's like good things happen when you share the ball when you look mm-hmm. for the best shot and that's something that head coach Jamal Mosley has really instilled in this team. And I think he hammers that home offensively all the time. And when they don't win, it's when the ball movement stalls or they're forcing shots because maybe they get behind. You know, they just lost to my, you know, I mean, they're on a three-game skid right now. They lost to the Celtics twice and, and the Heat. Um, and when you look at the Heat game, you know, they fell behind uh, by a lot in the second quarter Uh you know, the heat just kind of exploded, uh, you know, the Magic's three-point offense or defense wasn't very good, and it, and it impacted their offense. Then they're, then they're kind of forcing up some things um, or missing shots. But it's like when they're sharing the ball and when they get back to their principles, Jamal Mosley always talks about their principles of sharing the ball, looking for the best shot, and getting after it on defense, you know, that's when they believe they have any shot to win. They know, though, that they can't take a moment off in the game. You know, they're just not there. You know, they're not a team that's capable of, you know, falling behind by a lot and making some explosive fourth quarter run uh, to win the game. So they play hard from start to finish. Yeah. You know, they're going to play hard from start to finish. And I, I think that's part of the culture that Jamal Mosley has instilled. He's been a great coach since he started uh, – here a couple of years ago he's in year three right now and he's got these guys playing as one collective and it it has to do with you know what he preaches in practice and what his assistants help instill there you know and he's a really good coach for a young generation and this is a young team and it seems like he's super relatable to these guys and they play hard for him and each other
0: i kind of want to go off something you just said i mean it's it's funny with the magic cuz you can, you know, based on the talent that they have, um you can almost make an argument that there is a small margin of error for the team, but then at the same time, they also like lead the league in turnovers, don't they? I mean, one of one of the highest turnover prone teams in the in the in the yeah. NBA, and that's because they pass the ball so much and they like you were just saying, Jamie, but it's funny cuz like it, it, one way it's like you can you can kind of say they don't have a margin of error but at the same time they turn the ball over a lot so that might not be true either so like what do you think about I mean what is your thoughts on them having that small margin of error with the talent that they have
2: yeah I mean you know turnovers is, have been an issue uh you know for the last mm-hmm. I mean since year one of Jamal Mosley and, and he knows it, the team knows it and uh you know I, I mean it's just they played some good teams you know that get after it on defense that you know put their hands in the lane and stuff like that and And, uh, sometimes, you know, they force a bad pass and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, when they're low turnover, they usually win, you know, I mean, when they're not giving the ball away, you know, they usually win. So that's something, that's something they have to correct. But also I want to point out their starting point guard, Markel Fultz has been, uh, out of action for, uh probably like six, six weeks or more. So, you know, so I think, I think that's something, you know, like they're yeah. starting, you know, Markel has some knee tendinitis. We're not sure exactly when he's getting back on the court, but he's working his way. Um, so, you know, they've started a rookie at point guard, uh, you know, in, in these last couple of weeks and Anthony black, um, you know, their lottery pick and, um, And then you've got multiple guys handling the ball, like Jalen Suggs will handle the ball a little bit too. Cole run the point off the bench and stuff like that. So you know, so they don't have that 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 guy. So I think when Markell comes back, that will cut down on the turnovers. And then it's just about you know how he kind of matriculates back into the system when he's when he's fully healthy. But um, it was interesting. The Magic last year started five and twenty. You know, and then six Mm -hmm. and 20. And it was because Markel uh, was injured at the beginning of the season. He had broken his toe. He comes back, and they basically have a winning record the rest of the year. Um, And, like, you can point to his return to the Magic playing better. So I I think that's part of it. And then, okay, so then, but they've still been winning basketball games despite their turnovers. It's just Mm -hmm. a testament to how hard they play on defense, I think. And, uh, you know, getting back in transition, when they turn the ball over, you know, they they make a concerted effort. Um, yeah. And it's just a total team approach. I mean, not only is Mark Elvin injured, you know, Wendell Carter, they're starting uh, forward center. He just got back last night after missing six weeks. And uh, Goga Batazi filled in for him, and he and he was a really good defensive guy and, you know, would have a couple of 13-point games too. So, you know, it's been really – again, collective uh, uh, on the part of this team.
0: Uh, how is I mean, Markel Fultz is just, I mean, just to kind of explain it, I know he's been having a lot of injury issues the last couple of years, yeah. but it sounds like Markel Fultz has kind of found a resurgence in Orlando. I mean, oh, I'm from Philadelphia, you know, yes. so we all know how the Philadelphia fans feel about yeah. Markel Fultz, unf- unfortunately, but is he kind of flying under the radar in Orlando? Is, and are people not really giving him enough credit for having this, uh, like I said, resurgence that he's having?
2: yeah perhaps around the nba um mm-hmm. they you know he he has gone under the radar and, and and yeah he's he's missed time he's missed time with injuries but when he's out there he's a game changer for the magic i really enjoy marquel he's he's a nice mm-hmm. he's a nice young man i mean <laughs> and i say he's just a nice good person who will do whatever the team needs him to do. I mean, I'm sure he's more frustrated than anybody that he's missed so much time, but the one thing he's done is he works really hard to get back. So he's ready from the jump when he gets out there. So I, am sure, you know, this setback has been really frustrating for him. Um, but you know, he doesn't let that impact the team. Um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's a good point guard and, um, he makes a difference when he's out there on the floor and, and really the magic didn't get him for much. When you remember the trade Mm -hmm. with the Sixers, you know, it was, gosh, I think it was what, 2019, you know, 2019 after, um, and and they gave up Jonathan Simmons for him. and, And I think like a second rounder and he's blossomed into a reliable starter. And so they're, they're anxious. You know, I know, I know they want to, Get him back. Everybody likes Markel on the team too. Everybody likes Markel in Orlando. Um, you know he he can he makes some things look effortless. You know yep. in in terms of his ball handle and and uh, his court vision and the way he he feeds the guys. So you know when he gets back and if he's fully healthy, you know I think he'll be a big difference. Um, and the Magic have played well without him. You know I mean because yep. Franz Wagner can run a little point two you know kind of at the point four or two so that there's some ball handlers but when Markell comes back he'll be a difference
0: yeah I've always I mean I've always liked him despite the rhetoric yeah. I would hear in Philadelphia I always did like him because I think he was a nice guy and I think he had a really just bad run of things when he first got into the league with his injuries and then of course you know yeah. I think it was a shoulder at that time if I'm not mistaken yeah it was like, was
2: like a weird it was yeah. some weird condition upper body shoulder kind of yeah. like you know how he couldn't he couldn't raise his, his arm, his shoulder, you know, above a certain point. And then, you know, basically the only solution was time and rest. And, you know, when you're the number one pick, you don't have time, you know, especially Mm. by that team that drafted you. So So it's like, it's, it's understandable that, that things, you know, that, some patience was run out of in Philadelphia and, and, but he, he got a, he got a different, a new start in Orlando. And, you know, the pressures in Orlando are different than Philadelphia. Um, you know, the situation he was coming into in Orlando was different, you know, um, you know, the magic and the fan base, you know, have been mired in this kind of, you know, a malaise for a long time. So it was just like, okay, you know, let's give him a shot. Let's see what happens. Um, and, and really like, you know, he's, He's had a good second career here. You know, it's, it would just be nice to get him back, but, uh, but I know he'll be ready when he, when he comes on the floor.
0: Yeah. Philly fans aren't really known to be patient. (laughs) It it was weird though. He had like some kind of shot then in his shoulder that made things even worse. It was just a weird, it was a weird situation.
2: Very strange. Yeah.
0: Orlando doesn't take a lot of mid range shots. So we know they're very dominant down low. That's they're Mm -hmm. known for that. Like you, I think you alluded to that too already. And, they don't really shoot the ball very well at the three point line. We we can get to that in a little bit too. But do the fans want to see the Magic shoot more mid range, mid range shots?
2: Um, you know, I think I think you know, really honestly, they want better three point shooting. <laughs> that's what fans that's what fans want. Um, you know, they they want Paulo not to change. You know, Paulo is a guy that can do a lot of different things. You know, he can penetrate and he can shoot a mid range jumper and hit it. And and you know, sometimes he can he can hit a three. Um, but like I think what Orlando fans would like is you know is some more three-point shooting. Every team wants wants three point shooting and and it's come along. Um it's it's much better this year than it was last year and the year before. But um yeah, I would say I would say Magic fans want want more of that. Um y- you know, like but they're they're fine, you know, if the Magic guys penetrate and score and draw a foul, you know. I mean I know Mosley, Jamal Mosley, wants guys going to the line, too. You know, he wants calls against the other team, Um, and Paolo and Franz are certainly willing to do that, now that Wendell Carter Jr. is back. You know, you've got another force down low. Um, So, but yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, mid-range jumpers really aren't a thing here in Orlando, but it's like, you know, if they can play inside-outside, I think that's what the fans want.
0: Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. I mean, another thing I read online, a lot about the magic and then of course when I watch them play as well is they don't really allow a whole lot of shots by their opponents I mean they they turn the ball over a lot but they also force Mm -hmm. a lot of turnovers Uh, teams that they play against they don't get many second chance shots Uh, they're causing their opponents to shoot late into the shot clock, they hold the ball themselves the magic hold the ball themselves a lot I mean they take they go late into okay. the shot clock, so they you know they have the ball offensively a lot so a lot of the teams if they, you know, they they just don't allow their opponents to really shoot the ball too much and I think it's been is has that been i mean what has been more like the success on the team? has it really been their offensive scheming and that Jamal Mosley has been implementing or is it really have, has it been more the defensive side of the ball as to yeah their success?
2: I would say, I would say defense, you know, I, you know, I, I mean, it's, I think it, it's both like you mentioned, you know, Orlando has a tendency to hold the ball. So, you know, offense, no. offense can be defense um, by not giving you know, if they don't turn the ball over by, by you know, kind of milking the clock a little bit. But ever since he got here, Jamal has preached defense. You know, his, his term is five guys on a string, five guys on a string. Like everybody knows their assignments. Everybody knows when to help. Everybody knows when not to help. Everybody knows when to switch, when they have to switch. Um And they really play tenacious defense and they get after it. And uh they've got good defenders on the team, you know, and it starts with Jalen Suggs. Um, you know, a top five pick for the Magic a couple years ago. Offensively, his game is still coming along, but defensively and effort, it's right there. You know, he's 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 a pest on the floor. You know, he is a pest, and his defensive plays have a tendency to spark the Magic, and when they're at home and he makes a play, well, that ignites the crowd. And then they've got some really good rim protectors. You know, Jonathan Isaac is back um, yep. after missing gosh i mean it seems like two or three years with knee injuries but but isaac is back and he's a great rim protector you know good shot blocker um and he's a very willing defender and he knows like that's he prides himself on defense um ji does and then with wendell coming back you know he's a big man down low and 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 he's a tough defender and, and batazzi off the bench has been really good to protect the rim too but but it's like you know it feels like because it feels like there's a tone and an expectation set. It's like, you've got to defend and they know that. Um, But they're just, you know, they're just sound, you know, they know their assignments, they know to help, um, you know, and because they know you have to play really hard on defense in order to win. So it, you know, it's just been a mindset, I think.
0: Well, it's interesting because a a lot of rhetoric that's been coming out in the NBA over the last, you know, how many years has been offenses, really what Mm -hmm. wins games not defense and they're kind of showing the opposite which is i think kind of interesting and on that note do you think jamal mosley uh has a legit chance to win coach of the year this year i I think think he he should be
2: considered i mean really like i do like i mean and obviously i'm biased because i'm right here (laughs) but it's like you know this is this is the uh, the same group as last year essentially um you know they they've there's, there's maybe one or two players that are different. They brought in Joe Ingles, a veteran, off the bench, you know, for the bench, and Joe has been a wonderful addition. Um, veteran presence, knowledgeable on the floor, really helps with that second unit. But but this all, I really feel like it all comes from Jamal. Like, he's, he's yeah. set a culture along with the management here, you know, to bring guys in who fit with the system. And, and it's such a young team, and I really do feel like, you do have to coach young players different than veterans. And, you know, in my time here, when I first started, I started with a veteran team, you know, with with Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson. And they they had a set way to play, understand Van Gundy. And then it was just like, all right, resets, resets, resets. But these guys, you know, were a mix of veterans and young players. Well, this is just youth all around. Um, And Jamal is getting the best out of these guys. And it's happened since, really, day one since he got here. You know, he 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 lets the guys rest a little bit more. You know, one of the things I noticed in year one was, like, Magic didn't, you know, weren't shooting around every day. You know, it wasn't, he doesn't set up, he, he, he kind of stayed away from the grind, you know, of, working six out of seven days a week, you know, mixed games with practice and shoot arounds. Like he give the guys some time to rest their bodies and stuff. They brought in other personnel, you know, in terms of um, you know, for conditioning and nutrition Mm -hmm. and and mental and stuff like that. But but there's an interesting culture here and I think it starts with Jamal and the management. Um, so yeah like i think I think he's worthy of being in the conversation for sure, and I'm sure you know if the magic continue this trend, if they continue having winning records every month of the season, which you know leads to playoffs, if he gets them to the playoffs yeah i, I think he should be a top candidate
0: well, if going off so this has been really fun jamie uh but yeah uh, thanks, Jer- last question going off that um what like um what is like I know you said you're a little biased, but what is the overall vibe of the city? does the city actually think this is a true championship contender or is the expectation that they would be thrilled even just making the playoffs especially I, not to say it the obvious but especially if they can get their turnovers down get the three-point percentage yeah. up a little bit more like do they actually think this team is a legit contender
2: you know i i'm not sure about championship but there there is an excitement in this city about this team um the last two seasons have been some of the biggest crowds at that arena um, which is crazy to think because, you know, that arena started with Dwight Howard. And, you know, and it seems like that excitement's come back. Everybody's really thrilled about Palo Bancaro, you know, when, mm-hmm. when the Magic drafted him. But I would say, I would say Magic fans are extremely patient. They understand that this might not be the year for a championship. I mean, that would be, that would be crazy. I mean, that would be beyond anybody's wildest dreams, I feel, outside the organization, but there's a lot of hope in this city. And, and there would be disappointment if this team, outside outside that locker room, there would be disappointment outside the locker room if they don't make the playoffs. Because that's the expectation, and that's what they've been trending towards. You know. And, I, and there's hope that they win a series or two. I think the expectation in the locker room is for them to make the playoffs you know, and be a seed that's not in the play-in. You know, you know, be a seed that that starts with a series. And I think they expect to win a series, you know. So I think I think that's where it is. But but again, Magic fans are patient, you know, but there's a lot of hope. And I haven't seen this kind of hope in a long time. So it's it's great. Like it's it's a great environment inside that building right now. The team is fun to watch. And I think the fans are having fun consistently for the first time in a long time.
0: No, I think it's interesting and important that you mentioned that distinction, not just make the playoffs, but make one of the top six, you know, not that play-in, because mm-hmm. anything can happen in that play-in. And I think a lot of people, and I'm not really sure what your thoughts on it, but a lot of people would say that the playoffs actually don't start until really that, well, the, the first round isn't that round until after the play-ins, a lot of people would say. Yeah. I'm actually looking at the standings now in the East, I know it's obviously super early it's not even halfway through the season yet but yeah um I mean you're tied with Knicks Cavaliers and the Heat so you're fourth obviously Knicks fifth Cavaliers sixth and then Heat seventh you're all tied at 16 wins right now so if that keeps up I mean it's going to be a tight little tight little race down down the the stretch
2: yeah it's going to be fun and those you know those are those are teams that have veteran players and veteran stars you know Mm -hmm. like uh um you know the Heat the Heat took it to the magic Last night, but but the Magic are capable of beating the Heat too. But you know, I mean, the Heat have a mm-hmm. accomplished, you know, have an accomplished team. The Knicks have a team that's been together for a long time. But it, but I feel like the Magic are ready to go to war. You know, I mean, this week has been humbling. You know, two losses in Boston and last night's loss to Miami. So it's just like, okay, the reality is setting in that these are going to be battles. But I feel like the Magic are confident that they can go to war now. I will say this: like their schedule ahead um, is tough because I think like 17 of their next 25 games are on the road. Um, oh, you know they yeah, so they shot kind of to second place with you know they had a six-game home stand and they won all six. So they were home a lot in November. Um, they they started the season with with a tough with a tough road because because they went out west like immediately. And they, you know, acquitted themselves pretty well. But then in November, they were home a lot. So January has always been a tough month for this franchise. Last year, it wasn't. Um, But, you know, again, 17 of their next 25 are on the road. And they've got got a West Coast trip right around the turn of the calendar into 2024. So, you know, this is going to be a trying month, you know, a trying, like, five yeah. weeks for them, I would say. Um, you know, from this point till early February. So the next six weeks are gonna be tough. Um, yeah. but you know, that's life in the NBA. So we'll 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 really see. But I, I but I feel like coming out of the all star break last year, Magic really was really surging, you know, and despite a five and twenty start to the season, I mean they made a case to make a play in game and they just missed out on it. So it's like if they can if they can stay healthy you know, another key is Paolo really hasn't hasn't missed much time, right. and Franz hasn't missed much time either. Um, so the so that's been key. Those two guys are key. So if they can stay healthier, get the guys back, you know, and be somewhat full strength, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they can do.
0: How are they as an away team, just in general? Just...
2: You know, they've been pretty good this year, actually. You know, they're. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what their – I honestly, you know, don't know what their road mark is right now i mean after losing uh, two in boston they're probably they're probably five sub 500 yeah, yeah they'd be sub 500 right now but but it's not like they're getting blown out in the water you know i mean no. the the, the yeah. games in boston didn't go well but um but you know they they've been okay one of the things is they've beaten the teams that they're supposed to be right you know that's, um yeah. you know and and so so that's the that's one of the things too you know they they haven't had a game where you know they were upset by anybody you know a, like a quote unquote bad loss uh, right. against the team you know no disrespect to any other no, team in no. the nba but no. but they haven't had one of those one of those let down games and one of the other things is you know they they just pretty much got blown out by miami last night i mean the final score i think it was a 9 point game but but the magic kind of came came up late to make it respectable right right they bounced back pretty well they do bounce but you know that's one thing this season they've bounced back from losses pretty well like they and and what i mean is like they learn from it yeah and they might not make those mistakes in the next game they might come further down the road but you know, some of those things aren't repeating themselves. But yeah. Miami had a really good game plan last night. Like they shut down Paolo and Franz. You know, those two combined for only twenty five. So they they need to score about forty. You know, they need to score thirty five, forty points. So yeah, and, and that didn't happen.
0: No, I mean it's you know that we're recording this on Thursday, but if now they play yeah. uh, Milwaukee tonight, yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. that's coming off Lillard's like forty something point. Uh, yeah, and, so, so yeah. Might be a tough, yeah, <laughs> tough it's, it, yeah,
2: it's going to be tough. They beat Milwaukee early in the season. It was mm-hmm. in Orlando, um, you know, but, but yeah, they're going, they're going to Milwaukee. It's going to be really tough, you know, I'm sure. And, you know, and it's the second game of a back to back. So, yeah. you know, so yeah, the magic are, are definitely going to be the underdog tonight and, you know, could be on the verge of their fourth straight loss. But I'll be interested to see, and then they have Indiana next, who's who's been playing well. So, so this is an interesting stretch around the holiday, you know, um, and and we'll see how they bounce back from it, you know. Should things should things go a little sideways, but you know they're going to play hard. They're definitely going to play hard, and um, you know, see what happens.
0: Yeah, no, and um, if you're going to learn from teams, the best learn from Boston and you know Milwaukee because they're. Definitely juggernaut of teams. So, definitely. you know, yep. like you said, if you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, that's going to be a playoff team for sure. So, it's, uh, mm-hmm. if they can keep doing that, they should be a top six team in the East. Well, Jamie, this has been really fun. I really appreciate. Thanks, your time Jared, coming on. Hey. And it's uh, yeah, I'll be in touch. We we'll have to have you on again sometime, maybe. Cool. Down the stretch of the season, see how they're doing. Check in with <laughs> the Magic.
2: Well, hopefully, we're as positive about the Magic as we are today. I think you will. <laughs> it's a they, long season, they still got a yeah. lot of, they got a lot left. So.
0: Now they they've proven the. They've proven to be, it's not a fluke. They definitely have proven to have, they definitely have a system for sure. The players, like you said, yeah. want to be there. They're playing hard for the team. And like I said, with that system that Mosley has put in, I think they're going to be fine. But like you said, I'm hoping they get down the stretch. I'm hoping they don't get a playing game because anything happens in those playing games. And yeah. I would hate. I just want the better team to win, obviously, but that's a whole nother <laughs> discussion. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so. Well, thank you very much, Jared. Appreciate it. All right, it. Thanks,
0: Jimmy. I'll be in touch. Thanks, thanks okay. so much.
2: Bye. Sounds good.
0: Okay, let's finish up the show with our off-the-map and long-hauls of the week like we always do on Saturday. Justin, start with you. What is your off-the-map of the week?
1: My off-the-map of the week is the New York Mets. Is it time to start overrating Steve Cohen as an owner? I know he spends big money, and I know he's new to the game, but he might be an overrated owner. He might not be what the Mets fans are saying that, oh, he's the next Steinbrenner like with the Yankees, but for Cohen, I definitely think that um, he, he, him not getting Yamarato is a bad move for the Mets. But they're, they're a rebuilding team, really. I mean, maybe it's time to start overrating Steve Cohen as an owner.
0: I'm going to go with uh, Amazon buying out Diamond Sports for a streaming deal. Uh, Amazon is in talks to invest in the bankrupt regional sports broadcast partner uh, for streaming Diamond Sports. Uh, They would inquire Amazon would inquire multi-year streaming rights to the MLB, NBA and NHL games carried on cable channels operated by Diamond Sports. Unclear how much Amazon would invest in the company. I think they're still kind of working out the details mm. of the contract, but yeah, Diamond Sports filed filed for bankruptcy in March. So, uh, Amazon's coming in, saving the day, and they will offer live sports as part of their. You know, I know Amazon has a big push for content through commerce, uh, commerce. Excuse me. So this is a big effort to kind of increase that. We all see what they're doing with Thursday Night Football, and this is a good, uh, again just kind of their effort to get into that. Uh, streaming especially with sports streaming and i think good for them buying out diamond sports gonna have amazon will have a lot more regional games coming up now uh in in the near future uh with this partnership and it's really cool to see well we're going to see more sports on uh prime than just uh just thursday night football so amazon's definitely breaking the way as far as streaming sports goes and you know it's this is just another example of how they're doing that so awesome to see pretty cool all things considered justin what is your long haul of the week
1: my long haul of the week is the whole Florida State situation. Uh, I know Florida State was wrongly left out of the college football playoff to some, but it's time, it's time to start moving on from that right now. Now Florida State is suing the ACC over grant of rights and the withdrawal fee, which we kind of touched on yesterday. But for Florida State, it's kind of time to start. It's kind of time to, you know, move on to next season. If you move out of the ACC, that's fine. Into the SEC.
0: My long haul of the week, Rashad Mendenhall. Did you see this, Justin? Came out proposing a white versus blacks game at the Pro Bowl. Uh he's been very pretty vocal, being sick of quote white guys commenting on football. This was his idea of making the Pro Bowl a little bit more exciting. A lot of reaction on social media to this, as you can expect. Not in the way I thought though. A lot of people were debating if this was a feasible idea. Obviously a lot of backlash. I mean, it's basically a game pitting races against each other. Not the best idea in the world, obviously, all things considered, but I was surprised how many people were actually pondering this and questioning whether this whether this idea would be feasible or not. Uh, that's my long haul. I mean, people need to stop questioning this idea with a dumb comment, stupid comment, crazy idea, dumb idea. Roger Goodell would never go for this. The fans would never go for this. People would never go for this. Fans of football would never go for this. It's just such a bad idea, all things considered. So people need to stop talking about it, uh, about, a, you know, with it being feasible and, um. Yeah, just know it's not going to happen because it's just such a bad idea. All right. Good show, Justin. Tuesday, have a best of episode for the holidays. We'll have a, a compilation of some of our best moments. Uh, mostly interviews but some of our intro and outros as well so that's coming up on tuesday in late of the holiday season we'll be back on thursday nice. zach will be back as well break down uh new year's six bowl games coming up and then we'll also preview nfl week 17 at that point we'll break it down like we always do college and nfl with an awesome guest like it always is so we'll see you then on thursday until then keep on traveling